My name is Heather Church, H-E-A-T-H-E-R-C-H-U-R-C-H. Do you promise to tell the truth today? I do, yes. Now, uh, you are a health scientist professor, and you taught pandemics and society. Is that right? Correct. That was the name of the course? Yeah. Okay. Pandemics and their impacts on society. Great. And you also uh, completed a PS PhD dissertation about health equity impacts of public policy? Correct, yeah. And uh, until the COVID mandates came along, you were teaching at a university, right? Yeah, I have caught through. Um, I submitted against my will to the vaccine mandates um, and did teach until I went on sick leave in August 2022, and I've been off since then. Um, and I just received confirmation of a diagnosis a couple of weeks ago that it was vaccination related. So let's discuss that vaccine injury. Um, your main reason for being reluctant, as I understand it, was that you already had a mild traumatic brain injury, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. And, and that puts me at um, earlier or higher likelihood of um, neurodegenerative disorders, but also earlier age of onset thereof. Um, and I also have a family history of neurodegenerative disorders. So that's two strikes against me. And um, my concern was the cumulative effects of strikes against me. Like I, I don't have any more room to add injury to my neuro, um, neurological system. And so I was afraid um, because these have not been tested on for neurological effects. And at the time that the mandates were implemented, they were only in phase two of the four-phase clinical trial process. Um, so I just felt that there wasn't enough known about the risks. And since I was at low risk for um, COVID, it didn't strike me as necessary. But also at that time, too, there was already evidence demonstrating that the vaccines wouldn't prevent transmission. So it really was just a personal choice. We won't um, dwell on this point, but can you confirm that you tried to uh, have both a religious and medical exemption approved by your employer and you were unsuccessful? Yes, that's correct. So I submitted a religious um, request for exemption, and with that I had to sign a sworn affidavit, um, and it was rejected, and I was told that it was... Um, that my position was politicized. And when I asked my um, union for assistance, they upheld the decision. So, you um, and then, so then I also sought assistance getting a medical exemption. I went to my family doctor and I took in a stack of peer review journal articles and to support my point, um, and he wouldn't even look at them. He told me that he had been the college had banned them from um, providing exemptions for anything but anaphylaxis, myocarditis, and pericarditis. Wouldn't consider it. Wouldn't hear me out. And yeah, frankly, behaved very unprofessionally. Um, then when I explained this to my union again, they told me that they didn't believe the doctors had been banned, and to try again. 
So you've since been diagnosed with an auditory processing disorder, and we've heard that you've been on sick leave since August 2022. Can you describe, you know, the everyday effects of uh, the injury? Okay, so for clarification, um, the auditory processing disorder, that was with a neuropsychological assessment that was conducted where she identified um, a few impairments, um, so motor, fine motor coordination, auditory processing, and some memory issues um, all came out um, as impaired. And she couldn't tie it to the traumatic brain injury because those symptoms would have shown up at that time. Um, but that was three and a half years before getting the vaccine. And I didn't have those problems until the day after getting the vaccines. Um, and so for the auditory processing piece, the issue is that I don't filter out sounds naturally. So people who don't have impaired auditory processing are able to filter out um, environmental sounds. Um, so for instance, if you're at a restaurant, someone's laughing in the background, you hear a fork drop on the floor, it doesn't impede your ability to communicate um, because, or to continue doing what you're doing because you're naturally, your brain's naturally filtering the, those noises out. So you're tending to um, only the sounds that you need to hear. And um, my auditory processing now is impaired. Um, in, in addition to that, um, since getting the doses, I also had what's described as bounding heart rate. And so it would be where just intermittently and unpredictably, I could see my pulse just bonking out of my, out of my neck. Um, and it was really hard and really scary. Um, and so I gave up exercise. I used to be a very active person and I gave it up because I was afraid. Um, and I've since been diagnosed with what's called postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. And so, or POTS. And um, what that is, is basically when you change positions from reclining or sitting to standing up, you get a clinically significant elevation in your heart rate. Um, so it's 30% increase in your heart rate. Um, and so I've also been diagnosed, um, it's a separate diagnosis by a neurologist as well. And it's called, it's a big one. Um, Distal chronic acquired demyelinating polyradiculoneuropathology. Um, I don't really understand that one yet. I haven't, I had to go to the States to get that diagnosis um, because I've been on a wait list since September to see a neurologist here in Canada. And the earliest appointment I can get is August 28th, 2023. And what will happen if you are unable to get a Canadian confirmation of the American diagnoses? Well, currently I switched on from short-term disability in November. So I'm now considered long-term disability, but my long-term disability provider rejected my um, claim, stating that they didn't see that there were limitations that would impede me from doing 60% or more of my workload. Um, and WSIV would also need a Canadian confirmed um, diagnosis and um, recognition of vaccination causation um, for it to be considered a workplace injury. And my contract ends in June, but I'm not employable at the moment, I'm injured. Um, 
and I'm going to have lifelong issues, including the um, distal chronic acquired demyelinating polyradicular neuro neuropathology, if not treated early, has a one in three chance of ending up being wheelchair bound. And I don't even know what early treatment means because I can't access anyone who has that knowledge. Can you describe your average day now? How do you feel and what kind of symptoms do you have? Uh, tired, sad, chronic headache, chronic pain. Um, I have this incessant tinnitus that just is all through my head. Um, dizziness, nausea, my limbs feel heavy. Um, I'm tripping over things, I'm fumbling things with my hands. I feel incompetent. When you uh, participated in a one-day training uh, about a week ago, and yeah. take your time, uh, how did you manage that day and how did you feel afterwards? I didn't do well. I tried it. I wanted to see if I could work a full work day. I couldn't sit still. I couldn't pay attention. It was awful. It was really well done. The people were lovely. And they crashed. And this is the problem. Like, even just, you know, going to church or going out with my parents to a restaurant. I get so tired and so withdrawn that I can't function. I can't communicate because I'm just so busy trying to focus and pay attention to what's for what's important, not pay attention to everything else. I can't keep up. And my parents actually did notice that I withdrew into myself. And they thought that I was unhappy with the meal or unhappy with the setting. It wasn't that at all. It was just, I was overwhelmed. I couldn't handle it. What kind of uh, treatments, if any, have you tried? Well, I started out seeing a psychologist and I initiated that in July last year and started seeing her in August. But she's also, I did the neuropsychological assessment with her and maxed out my benefits at that point using that and then had to pay an additional $2,500 on top of that. Um, so I haven't been able to access anything, but now I do have benefits. But since I don't have any disposable income, my parents have loaned me money so that I can start paying for things like physiotherapy. Um, I have, I've made a referral to a neurological rehab clinic um, in Burlington, so hopefully that'll help. Um, and I can, I'm resuming my psychology appointments next week. I understand that you filed some complaints both against the College of Pharmacists and against your Doctor, have you seen any lights at the end of the tunnel with respect to those complaints? <laughs> no. No. Um, so I filed a complaint against the doctor for his unprofessional behavior, which I frankly think is malpractice, but I don't know that for sure. Um, and the college contacted me and asked me to indicate dates when I could have a phone meeting. And at that point, I just didn't have the wherewithal. And so I asked them to just provide the information because they just wanted to have a meeting to explain the process. 
And so I said, well, just provide me with a write-up of what it is, because surely you do that for people who are nonverbal and can't participate in a, a telephone meeting. And I never heard from them again. So then two months later, I emailed them and asked what was going on. And they said that the registrar had closed the file. Um, then with the College of Pharma, the College of Pharmacists of Ontario, I filed a complaint because on the consent form, there were only two options if you wanted to receive your confirmation of vaccination by text or by email. And so I created another box and checked it and wrote beside it, I do not consent to digital communication of my private and confidential health information. Um, please send it by mail only. And it, I ended up getting text messages from the pharmacy notifying me when it was time to get my second dose, notifying me when it was time to get boosters, notifying me of sales they were having. So it was even their promotional content. They didn't separate out promotions from you know, health information. And so I filed a complaint against them. And so that I filed a complaint with the Information and Privacy Commissioner of Ontario, um, who has noted that they were in their right to do so. But I, I still challenge that because there is no reason that I should be getting text messages um, about sales that they're having. Um, and I'm still awaiting a decision by the college. Thank you. I'll turn it over to the commissioners to see if they have any questions. First, thank you for coming out and talking to us about this most intimate issue that you have and having the courage to stand up in front of us, in front of all of Canada. My first question has to do with, I, I, I believe that prior to this, that you were a professor teaching a course in pandemics and the effect of pandemics on society. Correct. In your class or in your studies preparing for your class, were you aware of any um, nationwide pandemic plan or, or reviews of different options that may have been contained in that plan? Yeah, so I did look at, um the SARS response and that sort of thing. Um, but we also covered historical um, pandemics as well. And I was trying to sort of avoid, initially the first couple of years I taught it, I wanted to avoid getting too deep into COVID because I felt that there was a lot of hysteria around it and I didn't want to drive that fearful narrative. Um, but then in the second year of teaching it, I had a day where we were just talking and the students were hungry for the other side of the story. So we started talking about the other side of the story. And after that, the students really opened up to me about their own experiences and about, you know, thanking me for being a safe place to talk. Um, and so we discussed science. We, and it was all science-based that we were discussing. Um, but yeah, it was, sorry, I've gone off track. Sorry, what was the question? Don't, don't worry, I'm always off track. <laughs> um, really specifically, what I meant to ask you is, were you aware of the Canadian influenza pandemic plan uh, that was in place and uh, I believe authored by, one of the authors was Teresa Tam? Yes, I am aware of it. Yeah, we didn't cover it in that class though. Okay. Um, do you know whether or not your adverse reaction has been registered in the CAFA system in Canada? 
I'm still in the process. I need to get that um, Canadian confirmation of diagnosis um, before I can submit it. I've started the paperwork for the AEFI. Um, and so public health is awaiting my diagnosis and paperwork for that before they'll process. So, that, so that's been in process now for a year or better? How long has that been in process? Um, I think I initiated it. I don't remember when I initiated that. I guess it would have been November or December 2022. Can you, you, you talked a little bit about your experience in getting the vaccine, and, and if I understood you correctly, you got it at a, in a pharmacy. Correct, yeah. Do you feel that the pharmacist or whoever uh, uh, administered the vaccine had given you all of the information about the risks and benefits of this vaccine so that you could form an informed consent when you, when you, when you received it? No, I got the, um, the provincial little write-up. Um, but A, they're still experimental, so there's not enough information to make an informed decision. Um, but B, on the consent form, another thing was the pharmacist had already digitally checked off the null box in the adverse reaction section of the consent form, um, to which I thought was weird. But there's also no information about what to do if there is an adverse reaction and what, the, and what those adverse reactions will be. Normally, when when you're a, when you buy a purchase a, a a drug in the restaurant or sorry in the pharmacy, sorry. Um, normally, when you receive a, a prescription drug, there's an insert in that prescription drug that describes to you even whether or not the pharmacy pharmacist goes through it with you or not. There is an insert that tells you all of the risks and, and uh, issues concerning that drug. Were you given access to any kind of an insert or information bulletin directly from the manufacturer of the vaccine prior to taking it? No. Thank you very much.